I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Before we begin today's conversations, I want to share just a couple words with you about Slingbox. Slingbox is the best way to watch your TV anywhere, whether you're at home or halfway around the world, right on your laptop, tablet, or smartphone. You see, Slingbox delivers your TV anywhere, but don't be confused. Other products only stream to your local Wi-Fi network or provide a small subset of channels. Some of those streaming sport apps black out specific games, teams, or even entire sports. Most of them are geo-blocked or don't work internationally. Slingbox lets you watch all of your favorite shows, sports, and news live or on your DVR, anywhere in the world, with no monthly fees. Now, Slingbox has a special offer for our Political Wire listeners. Go to slingbox.com slash wire and get $50 off plus free shipping on a new Slingbox. That's slingbox.com slash wire for $50 off plus free shipping on a new Slingbox. And now to our conversation. Today's issue, who's running harder against President Obama, Republicans or Democrats? The question is only partly exaggerated. From criticism on who lost Iraq to the handling of the Army Sergeant Bo Bergdahl prisoner exchange to even the environment. And, of course, there's always Obamacare. So how legitimate is this criticism? Is President Obama and his low approval ratings in various key states weighing down the team? Should Democrats be more constructive and supportive of their chief? Doug Schoen is one of the most influential Democratic campaign consultants for over 30 years. He served as a political advisor and pollster for President Bill Clinton from 94 to 2000 and has worked with mayors, governors, and heads of state in more than 15 countries. He's a founding partner and principal strategist for Penn, Schoen, and Berland and widely recognized as one of the co-inventors of Overnight Polling. Doug, thanks for joining me. Chris, my, my pleasure to be here. This conversation was inspired by a piece you wrote this week in the Wall Street Journal. You argued that the Republican strategy of running against Obama, of citing his administration, of out of step with the American people, might be more credible if they, quote, cite the mounting criticisms of Mr. Obama coming from his own supporters or appointees. How serious were you? I'm quite serious because the Republican Party is divided, as we have seen, given the defeat of Eric Cantor in the quick election of uh, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. Uh, there's a wing of the Republican Party, the so-called Tea Party wing, or anti-establishment wing, that is almost as opposed to the establishment wing of the Republican Party as they are to the Democrats, and the party certainly has no unified message. Let's let's go through kind of point by point um, on Iraq. You wrote this week, um, Obama flubs Iraq. And, and indeed, um, Obama's allies in Congress are urging him to act assertively in Iraq is, is what you wrote. Um, is it is it hard, though, to pin Iraq on, on Obama? I mean, Vice President Cheney tried that this week and he got hit pretty hard um, by Fox News of all channels. Well, let me put it to you this way. I would not suggest that Vice President uh, Dick Cheney would be the best advocate for the Republican <laughs> Party on Iraq, but it is the case that the country is being torn by sectarian violence. It's pretty clear, looking at the events of the last week to 10 days, that the Obama administration has no plan to stabilize the country. And as the incumbent administration, they certainly bear responsibility and a large amount of responsibility for what uh, is going uh, tragically uh, wrong in the country now. 
How much of the Democratic kind of push against Obama um, is because of the, 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 I mean, his terrible poll numbers? I mean, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the examples that we're seeing out there, you know, some come from Kentucky, you know, some come from Louisiana. You're seeing, you know, the, the, the environmental questions and, and a push against coal and, and other places. I mean, these are places where you've got, you know, highly contested Senate races. You've got Obama, whose numbers are kind of challenged all over, but are really challenged challenged in in these states how much of this is you know candidates doing kind of what you might expect them to do which is to try to save their own bacon well i think it is what candidates do to save their own bacon and with the president's approval somewhere in the high 30s or low 40s it's typically what they do but uh, what i was trying to emphasize in my wall street journal article is across the board on a wide range of issues. Not only Republicans, but Democrats have been harshly critical uh, of the incumbent and that that criticism is frankly a better unifier for the Republicans than their own uh, uh, advocacy of their own positions. Yeah, you, you really ran through quite a quite a list of, of examples. I mean, you, you know, Iraq, Bergdahl, um, Syria, you, you know, you, you cited the Leon Panetta example and some of the criticism he's he's shown there. Um, ju- judicial picks. Uh, are you you know, are you kind of surprised? I mean, that Obama is kind of finding such challenge across so many areas. Is this a second term? You know, is this what we should expect in a second term of a presidency? Is this is this unique? Is it more extreme than maybe you've seen in previous uh, eras? What's your take? Well, I think it is typical when a president is a lame duck, and I think Obama is now one. And it's typical when his approval ratings fall, as this president's approval rating has indeed fallen. So I I think it's typical, but what I think is atypical is the wide range of issues, themes, and problems that uh, have uh, created the uh, gap inside the Democratic Party, which the Republicans can and arguably will exploit. What about Obamacare? Uh, I mean, that's that's the big one. That's his signature. Um, you know, the polling showed that that you know, there, it initially and obviously the rollout, you know, pretty disastrous. Um, but since then, you know, while Obamacare might poll badly, uh, you know, Affordable Care Act and and the attributes around the act poll pretty well. Is Obamacare still where you know is that should Democrats be getting behind that more? What what have you seen and what would you be well, advising? I, I- the, the numbers I see still suggest real problems with Obamacare. And I would tell you from my vantage point that the Democrats of necessity have to put themselves in a position where they distance themselves and say they want to fix it. I think we're looking at lower quality of care, higher premiums, uh, and networks that are um, more narrow rather than more expansive, all of which I think suggests the enduring problems with Obamacare that the polls very clearly bear out. Doug, I want to ask you more about this. I want to ask you whether uh, President Obama should care what Democrats think, whether he's doing enough to uh, um, endear himself to Democrats. But first, I want to share just a couple of words with our audience about our terrific sponsor, Brain HQ. Brain HQ is an online brain training system that works. It includes 26 exercises in six categories, memory, attention, brain speed, people skills, navigation, and intelligence. You can imagine how useful this could be in politics or really whatever business or interest you have. Now, Brain HQ and the people who built it are 
absolutely committed to science, with more than 70 scientific papers published in top journals like the Journal of the American Medical Society showing benefits to using the Brain HQ exercises. Brain HQ helps you think faster, focus better, and remember more for whatever is important to you. It also fits your busy life. It's designed, Brain HQ, is so that you can do any length of training at any time on any computer or iPad. Now, you can get a 10% discount on a Brain HQ subscription for finding out about it here. Just go to brainhq.com slash political wire. Again, that's brainhq.com slash political wire. Doug, should Obama care what other Democrats think? I mean, you've advised presidents, including Bill Clinton, at the end of his second term. I, I would think Obama is concerned and his advisors are concerned um, with his legacy. I'm sure they feel, well, you know, we can't control Congress or what Democrats do anyhow. We have to do what we feel is right. Is that wrong? Well, it's certainly the case that that is part of the answer. They are concerned with their legacy and they will continue to be. The but is very important. The but is if they don't have a united congressional delegation, the minority in the House and the majority in the Senate, it makes it much more difficult not only to govern, but also to run an effective midterm campaign. So the president of necessity has to care, does care, and those are two competing concerns, legacy and democratic unity. And so far, I think the president, at least now, is doing better in his terms on legacy than he is on unity. Was there maybe a, a lack of, uh, you know, goodwill, reservoir of goodwill? I mean, you know, some of the criticism historically on Obama in terms of the, the management of Congress and the management of the Democrats is, you know, is he didn't put in a lot of time building the relationships with, with Congress and building the relationships with Democrats. He surely would disagree and his advisors would surely disagree. But you, you've seen that, that criticism as well. Is that one of the issues? I mean, if he had maybe a, a bigger reservoir of goodwill, um, you, you wouldn't see this, this pushback and there might be, be more leniency being shown to him, or, or is that not it? I think if his poll numbers were 10 points higher, he would have more Democratic unity. And I think if he'd made more of an effort with Congress, there'd be more Democratic unity. But this is not a man who has spent much time working to unify a now-divided party. And I think he is feeling the impact of his approval ratings dropping in his inattention to the needs of uh, individual senators and congressmen. Doug, just a, a couple of quick questions on uh, polling and polls and, and maybe what, what you're seeing um, sure. in, in terms of uh, Senate control. So, so you've got this issue out there that you've identified and you've written about. Um, and, and obviously there, there are, you know, a, a half dozen, dozen seats hotly contested that, that will end up deciding control of the Senate. Um, as you're looking at the numbers, as you're looking at the trends, what are you seeing in terms of um, Senate control? And are there any races in particular, maybe that's Kentucky, maybe that's Georgia, maybe that's Louis, wherever. Are there a couple of pl seats in particular that you're focused on um, that, that, yep. that you really want to pay attention to? My, my sense is we're going to come out of Election Day with the Democrats uh, having lost five or six seats, probably most likely if I had to bet five. There'll be a runoff in Louisiana, and my guess is control of the Senate. This is a famous uh, uh, prediction in uh, Chris, you're going to have me back after the election to either say uh, you, you got it on the nail or you missed it. But I think control of the Senate is going to turn on a early December runoff in Louisiana between uh, Cassidy and uh, uh, Landrieu.
Okay, and and you'll you'll accept the invitation whether you're right or I wrong. I will accept the invitation <laughs> with either the egg on my face or the ability to chortle, depending on how things turn out. Ter- terrific. So so either way, let's say so it's going to be very close, right? So I so think you, it will be, right. Yes. What are you thinking then? Go looking forward, 2016, and and getting back to your theme, Obama and and Obama's role and Democrats. I mean, is is. Is he leaving something that Democrats can run on for 2016 or, you know, on the Republican side? Is this Tea Party establishment divide too great? You know, what are you seeing in terms of 2000? Are both parties maybe going into 2016 with kind of challenging internal issues? How do you look at it going I, I forward? I think you're exactly right, Chris. I think your last formulation is exactly right. Both parties are divided. The Republicans are divided on issues divided uh, thematically, and they don't have a clear front runner. The Democrats have a clear front runner, Hillary Clinton, who's going to have to do everything she can to distance herself from an increasingly unpopular president and a president for whom voters' attitude is we're ready to move on from hope and change to a different direction. So both parties have challenges, and it's very hard today to make a prediction as to what will be the result. Do you already see Hillary Clinton doing that, the distancing? I think she is trying to, but it's very tough because as long as Obama is in the White House and he will be there literally through the election, as long as she is there, it is very hard for her to do what she would, I'm sure, politically like to do, if nothing else, make it clear she has her own distinctive policies and direction separate and apart from the administration. And Doug, my last question for you, and I, actually, I would love to have a whole conversation just on this. This is this is the history and and kind of your your role in it. I mean, it, it, you were one of the co-inventors of overnight polling. I, I don't know whether to compare that to the Manhattan Project or landing a man on the moon, but but no doubt, I mean, one of the most significant innovations in political campaigning in the last half century. W- what drove the project? Was it client sure. demand? Was did you all did you have to just wait for the technology? I mean, what was that process like? <laughs> Here's what happened. Back, back when we started in the mid to late 70s, um, polls were typically done in person or telephone polls over five to seven nights with two or three days to tabulate, which meant that uh, polls were frequently out of date before the results came in. Um, as the personal computer was developed and you could develop software to process, what we were able to do was to do data input, and it had to all be done by hand then and tabulation overnight, you, there was a loss of sleep, but the between the technology and the ingenuity and innovation, we could do a poll that would finish around 9.30 or 10 and have results the next morning. And when you were in a campaign, I don't have to tell you, Chris, the ability to have overnights that gave you an indication as to where things stood, not as of 10 days before, but as of, you know, literally the day before, was of inestimable help the candidates. So uh, it was a combination of shoe leather, technology, and innovation, and I think we changed the business for the good. Yeah, well, I cer- certainly certainly changed it. Incredible innovation. Has social media disintermediated that overnight polling? It, it has. I think it's tougher to get people on the phone. There's a greater effort to use social media uh, and, and, indeed, online polling in a lot of ways. But all, everything is sort of up for grabs now, and polling. We don't know what percentage of people are online, what percentage of people are using cell phones, what percentage of people are using landlines. So the industry is really in a state of flux. And regardless of um, 
what methodology is used, getting response rates up to acceptable levels remains a challenge as well. Doug Schoen. You can find out uh, more about him and read his articles and opinions and analysis at DouglasShone.com. Served as a political advisor and pollster for President Bill Clinton, uh, one of the uh, co-inventors of overnight polling and a whole bunch more. Um, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. Thank you. Happy to come back. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.